Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to another episode. Oh, that's not how I start the show. Why did I say it like that? Hey, my name is Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Fast. Alongside me is Jacob, and I would like to know what you are drinking right now. What I'm drinking, well, Sarah, I've got a coffee on the go. I'm going back to coffee because I'm trying to get some evening jitters on. We record a little bit later in the day, and I just needed a little buzz. But you know what I've been doing with coffee? No. And tell me, first of all, are you a dipper? I'm a dipper? A dipper, like yeah, a like dipper someone of, who dips things and other things. Like, no, yes, I thought you were saying like dipping something in my coffee though. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, I, you've so been dipping your day, Boston creams in your coffee or what? <laughs> you know what? I did have a great Boston cream the other day, last night and today. I, I split it. But anyway, that's not what I was going to talk about. What I was going to talk about though is I went to the grocery store and you know like a utility box of cookies, just like your yeah. like, ba- like bargain kind of cookies. Yeah. And then oatmeal cookie in a while. Guess what? That's Pick, a good choice. Picked up a good thing of oatmeal cookies. Not, I'm a little ashamed because I've kind of run through them, but like I've been dipping them in my coffee. In your coffee. And it's let me tell you, it's elevating my morning game like nobody's business. Does it leave little bits though in the coffee? Yeah, but those are the fun bits for the end. I <laughs> see. I can't. I don't really like. I don't like anything floating in any beverage. Like we talked about, we like talked the, about aloe the aloe and stuff. Little, so I don't. Yeah. I don't think I'd do well with that. But I'm a mm. big like. Oh, I used to be. I don't drink like glasses of milk anymore because I'm not seven years old. But like you like you you motioned like it was like be, a Collins glass, I know. like a tall no, cocktail I, like of a big milk. tall one. But I used to. I used to be a big oreos and milk person which is like oh what, do, you, do you split the oreo do you go like the, the whole turn no i just dump it in like dunk it you've ne- you don't split your oreos and eat the center stuff separate? no i just take the cookie out of the package hey. put it into the milk and then eat it why is that like jail like am i doing I would something say wrong? jail i would say Interesting. Jail. Do you know what? i want you to do that with an oreo in your coffee report back let me know how that tastes i'll do it next episode i'll bring a coffee i'll bring an live? oreo and i'll dip it live i feel you on the late afternoon record and having the jitters because 
I'm drinking a Red Bull. But Whoa. fun fact about me is I don't like regular Red Bull. I what only like the flavored ones. This is the summer edition from a few years ago. This is the yellow edition. Like you've had tropical. it for a few years? Yeah, just sitting in my fridge waiting for a good time to crack it out, like use in case of emergency. No, it's just like... Like they, they launched it a few years ago. They launch it in the summer. If people vibe with it, then they keep it. So I only like the ones that are flavored, though. I don't like sugar-free or regular Red Bull because it just reminds me of university. And yeah, I, like, I was going to say the same thing. It. Yeah, there are just bad memories attached to that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. What are you watching this week? I watched the Pamela Anderson documentary. Oh, I watched that too. Which I'm not going to lie... I was a little heartbroken because I was supposed to go to the premiere of it and Pamela Anderson was herself in, was Toronto, there. Yeah. But I was, look, big thing I've worked on with my therapist is when I'm getting too overwhelmed, I just have to say no to things and not get FOMO. Smart. So I said no because I had way too much work to do and I had to work at 4 a.m. the next day. So yeah. I said no, got over it. I can, I'll, I'll see Pamela Anderson again. What someday. did you think about the, the I documentary? I loved it. It made me feel really guilty for watching Pam and Tommy, like really guilty. Okay, well, I'm saved because I didn't watch that. Yeah, so you're not canceled. I might be, but <laughs> I felt really guilty. But it, I just, I adored it. Like, I, I love her, like, just view on life. Like, I love how she's like, I don't care how many times I get married. I just want to fall in love. And if I get a divorce, whatever. Like, she's yeah. has this really, like, whimsical, like, view on life, which I love. And her sons, like, clearly adore her. And they're so kind. And, like, I have friends that were at the Did event. The they sons, said okay, the this is what I was a little confused about. They produced the documentary. They produced it. Okay. Because yeah. the they were heavily ended. involved when I was watching it. And I didn't really know anything about it until I turned it on. I was kind of just, you know, seeing it. Mm -hmm. But, uh... Her, and I saw one of the sons was like at the premiere. Yeah. So her oldest like, oh, son, okay. um, her oldest son produced it. And yeah. he's been the one very vocal about saying she only makes four grand a year off Baywatch and all of that. So I think it just showed that Pamela Anderson getting all this love right now, it's very well deserved because people abused her, used yeah. and abused her for decades. And now she's finally getting her flowers, which I really appreciate. Yeah. How yeah. about you? You know what? Also on Netflix. I watched. Was that on Netflix, Pamela? Yeah, but are we going to cancel Netflix soon if they're only going to like not let us share accounts? I saw this. I know. Okay, I'm. Well, how, I've never one? paid for Netflix. My parents pay for it. That's like my one. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm the Netflix password holder. Oh, in my you have family. all the power. Yeah, so I have all the power. So I don't know what to do about this because then you know, well, it's probably happened by the time this is coming out. Yeah, but it's probably. like, are we getting new accounts for everyone? I'm I don't have know. To it's going to be expensive. Who knows? But I was see. watching. I started watching. There's a new season of the show You. Which is like spooky and yeah, scary, spooky, and scary and murders. Do you like and... it? No. No. <laughs> Just and it's watch a good, You know what? It's a good show. And the, at the end of the first episode, I was like, whoa, this is a really good hook. It's mm -hmm. a, kind of a mystery whodunit mm -hmm. situation. But I don't know if I'll continue. <laughs> I only watched season one and then I was like, I not for know, you. I was out on it. Not for you. Yeah. No, yeah. It oh, wasn't for me. yeah. Wonderful. What are we listening to? <laughs> okay. I don't know her name. So, like, That's this is so not great. You know Mike Posner? Yes. He totally like changed around his life post took a pill in a pizza. You know that song? Okay. Anyway, he's got a new song out with I and someone put it up on screen, whatever it is. I Someone me, I edit someone, this. Someone Sarah put it up on screen. <laughs> I have no idea what the her name is and I have no idea honestly off the top of my head what the song name is, but I played it not kidding like 30 times today. This isn't live. We can just like look it up. Okay. It's the beauty. Mike well, Posner. Like better, the guy that goes, my phone's too Mike far away. Posner, like that thing at the no, beginning no, of song? Wait, you're thinking of. <laughs> oh, wait. Who's. Wait, cooler than me. Oh, cooler than me. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Howling yeah. at the moon. Is this. Thing? Howling at the moon. Okay. Who? What's the. What's her name? Um, Salem. Salem Elise. Salem Elise. Something like that. Yeah. And honestly. Salem Elise. It is a pop bop. Woo! It's a pop I'm, bop. I'm pretty close to. It's it's February right now, and I'm pretty close to calling song of the summer. Song, 
song in the sun. It feels like summer. It's hot enough outside. I know today. the sun came over three days in a row, and I was just like, "Let's go!" Wow. What well, are you listening to? I've been listening to a lot of Jordan Davis. Ah, so yeah, by the okay. time this goes out, because I'm very nervous about it right now, but by the time this goes out, um, I will have already gotten to interview him with Universal Music. Right. Yeah, so I'm hosting like this little like. Uh, album launch party thing that they're doing the day after his concert at stage yeah i saw him at stagecoach and i adore him um so i'm a little nervous but by the time this goes future sarah has probably already killed it hopefully hopefully so by the time you listen to this i will have already done that but uh yeah i've just been like going back into his like albums and stuff and yeah they're all like summer vibe songs which i love and it makes me kind of wish i was still like in the coachella valley just like two bud lights in hand vibing you know so double bud light always because there's i'm not waiting in line to go twice oh double fisting at festivals is actually a smart move you have to it's like i'm not going back and waiting in that line well done Our guest today was the first Canadian to be crowned sole survivor. Now she's taking on a new challenge that doesn't involve living on a remote island with strangers for three weeks. Instead, she's diving deeper into the lives of the people we think we know from our screens with her new podcast, Happy to See Me. Please welcome to our podcast, Talking Past, Erica. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I listened to the first episode of your podcast. I loved it. I love how immediately real you are about the whole reality TV experience and everything. And we're going to dive deeper into that. But the survivor fan in me couldn't not ask you a couple like cheesy yes. questions <laughs> let's do it my main one that look i will be the first to say i don't camp i could never do that show ever i also just like mentally i think would overthink too much my main concern though is where do people put in their contact lenses oh yes okay there's do a you place. wear contacts no and i also did not camp before the show i think i was cast to play the role of girl who doesn't go outside and I was great at that I love that I love that and then you had to go to like an exile island for two days yeah yeah and then I cried I cried nonstop for two days two nights and then at the end I was like wow I can do it this is easy I think the producers one of them actually said to me because there was the choice between me and a very outdoorsy person to go to exile and then the way that the game went I got sent there and the producer was low-key happy it was of course of course makes for better tv so when it comes to things like Contact lenses. I get questions about tampons. I get questions yes. about sunscreen and all of that stuff. So, yes, you have access to all of these things. There's an area off camera. I think we call it the coconut tree hmm. where there's kind of this bin with some medical items. So for women you would sub- or p- women or people with vaginas, you would submit your menstrual products. Mm-hmm. If you have any medications you need, if you have contacts, you submit all of that pro- to production ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then when you need it, you just say, I'm going to the coconut tree. And it means you're doing something medical and private off camera. Oh, I just also like wear daily contacts. Contacts and I do have all the sand and just like putting my contacts You'd in. You'd be at the coconut tree quite often. I would live at the coconut tree. <laughs> you know, I actually just go, I'm going to go to the coconut tree. Yeah. <laughs> just go and hide there for the rest of the day. Um, and then my other main thing I've always been curious about is when you were flying out, were you on the same flight as all the people that were on your season? Yes. And you're. I'm assuming not allowed to speak to anyone. Yes, you can't talk. Ooh. So you're always around people. And normally the week before the show, there's all this pre-production stuff. So when we get our cast photo taken, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're with everyone and we can't talk. My season was also a bit different because it was the COVID season. Yeah. So we had to do two weeks of quarantine at this hotel. Right. And we were allowed to go outside for two one-hour blocks a day. And all we could do was go into this field and walk around in a circle for our exercise. So we were seeing everybody every day in this 
Walking Dead style zombie a circle. But prison experience. A literal prison experience. Are you picking up on vibes though of oh, like yeah. how oh, people yeah. stroll through the field and like maybe someone you want to form an alliance with that person because they're like, you know, being nice to the grass. <laughs> oh yeah, you pick up all these things and production actually gave us this journal and they said write whatever you want about the pregame experience, write whatever you want about other people and then mm -hmm. we'll use it for social media to promote the show. So oh. I'm, I'm drawing pictures of everyone. <laughs> I'm writing what I think their personalities are, but then we never saw the notes. There's somewhere out oh there God, somewhere no. that book is there. So mm -hmm. the game actually really starts like the second you hit the airport. Exactly. Yeah. So for you though, when did um, your game start? So I, again, like living in downtown Toronto, I go like, you guys are talking about fire making. I go, where the hell do these people learn how to make fire? Yeah. Like, where would I learn on my condo balcony? Like, how did you prepare for the show? So what's that timeline look like? You find out you got casted. And then what's the timeline before you're on that flight to Fiji? And what did you do in between then? So it's a, it, I feel like the game really starts once you get your first call back from casting. Mm, so okay. I applied as soon as Canadians were eligible yeah. to be on the show. That was October 2018. Yeah. I apply, don't hear anything, move on with my life. I start making a new audition tape in August 2019. The next day before I can submit the new tape, I get an email oh, from no casting way. saying, oh, hey, cool. I know it's been a long time. We want to bring you in. So I think as soon as I started hearing that, I think, okay, I need to learn to swim because I can swim, but I can't really like, swim. Yeah, but like yeah. the way that you have to swim on Survivor. Yeah. yeah. Some of those challenges are crazy. So I start doing all of that stuff as I'm going through the casting process. So I got the initial call August 2019 in February 2020, I'm told I'm on the show. Oh You're God. leaving March 2020. But obviously, in March 2020, no one is traveling internationally. Yeah. And then it became this year of being in limbo where – and you work in TV yeah. production. There's yeah. always the effort to make something happen. So I'd always get a call saying, we'll do it next month. And then two weeks later, I get a call saying, yeah. okay, we're going to delay it. Yeah. So it took another year before I actually got to film the show in March 2021. So – when I was getting ready to film the March 2020 version, yeah. I I also cannot start a fire on my balcony. So <laughs> I would go visit my parents' backyard and my dad was super outdoorsy. He actually knew all of these skills I needed from growing up in the Philippines. Oh so he God. just knew how to build a fire in the middle of the winter, even though there's no winter there. But still. <laughs> and he was telling me, oh, if you see a duck, this is how you know if the eggs are ready. And I'm like, sure, Ooh, dad. Yeah. I, I, I did not retain any of this stuff. <laughs> And I was doing so many things to get ready. I was swimming, going to all these gyms. I was listening to podcasts about game theory. I was watching mm -hmm. every season of the show. And then when all of that stopped and it became the COVID delay, once I got told I was going to be on the show in March 2021, to be honest, I didn't really believe it. Yeah, Living in Ontario, yeah. everything opened and closed and opened yeah. and closed. So I'm like, yeah, we'll see if this actually happens. Then lo and behold – I'm on the way to Fiji and I'm thinking, oh shit, I should have done more to prepare this time. <laughs> That's what I was going to say is did the extra, I actually, yeah, the extra year actually be mentally harder because mm -hmm. yeah, you don't believe that it's actually going to happen. So do you, do you think it helped some people and maybe hindered other people's games having the extra year? I think it depends on how you use it because yeah. I always think if I played in March 2020, I would have lost because I think oh. also I was very different then. I think I was very much type A, need control over everything. I mm -hmm. worked in PR for 10 years, so mm -hmm. I was worried about being the perfect survivor player on paper. Then you go through COVID, you realize no one has control over anything. Right. I think that the job that I had before I 
observed all these different things about people who were in crisis and I realized, okay, uh, things just happen and I have to trust that I can navigate it. So Mm -hmm. even though going into 2021, I might not have been in the same physical shape I was in the year before, I think I had so much more confidence in myself and I think I was so much more okay with not having control that when I went into the season that was then so different from seasons before, I was way more prepared for it. Well, and one of my favorite things you said on your first episode of your podcast, which I love, by the way, you like go, everyone, if you haven't listened to it, you go like all in on the true feeling of being a winner and you recorded it right after your season. One of my favorite things you said is that you going to therapy prior to going on Survivor helped you. We're big fans of therapy. We just talked about the intro. We talk about it on here all the time. How do you think that helped you with your game? I feel like being on Survivor, in order to be successful, it requires a lot of Mm self-awareness. So I think through going to therapy, I was able to understand, okay, why am I this way? Why do I react to certain things? I feel like before I went on to the show and before I did therapy, I was very critical of myself. I was Mm -hmm. very judgmental. And then through going to therapy, you understand – why I'm like this and why I think this about other people. So I think it helped me to identify the good and the bad, quote unquote, bad parts of myself. Also through therapy, I would start to learn more about empathy and understand why other people might be responding Mm -hmm. to situations in certain ways. And that's amazing for Survivor because it's so much about understanding the intent or at least – believing that you can pick up what the intent would be um, based on what people are saying to you, which is not always real, but then also looking at things like, who is this person talking to? When are they talking to this person? How much information are they giving me? Are they talking to everybody else and then talking to me or are Mm -hmm. they talking to me first? So you can kind of put together all of these different things. And I think through developing that empathy for other people, I was able to have a good read on others. Um, So I think that that helped me in the game too. Which probably makes you a pretty well-rounded player all around, right? Because in terms of strategy for how someone's going to win, you know, historically you could be like a challenge beast and Mm -hmm. be like the physical player who's always winning challenges and that kind of thing. Obviously, the mental side of things and the interpersonal skills are are beneficial as well for, you know, someone's game. But where was your strategy, do you think, now that you have all of the different pieces, you're going into the game, what was your, you know, strategy to, to hopefully win? I always knew I was going to be the underestimated dark horse winner. I look very young. I think that also people have these perceptions about Asian women as Mm -hmm. being quite docile and very sweet. And I thought, okay, I'll work with this. I'll work with all of this this life experience I have and all the judgments that people have of me. And I'm actually going to go even further with it. So in those weeks leading up to playing the game where we were able to see the other castmates but not actually talk to each other, mm-hmm. we were allowed to bring books or we could bring iPods. So I was very strategic about the books I brought. I would only bring in YA fiction. So I was only reading Ender's Game or oh, um, so I think I had Jurassic Park or something something I'm like okay I want them to think I'm, I'm just a kid oh my god that's, mm-hmm. so, that's so smart and even the way that I styled myself on the show I always had these little pigtail buns uh, to make myself look younger I've never worn a headband really before I when I went yeah. through the Blair Waldorf gossip girl day <laughs> yeah, phase, course, I wore a headband we all did. didn't we all otherwise, yeah. I'm like okay <laughs> let me wear this headband covered in pearls because I just wanted to look so juvenile and I just didn't want to look like a threat at all 
Oh my god, you were playing chess when everyone else was just playing checkers even before you got into the game. That's amazing. That's so smart. And then, so you've talked a lot about this, I know, on your, mm-hmm. the first episode of your podcast and just in other places as well. But the edit, so yes. the way that someone is portrayed by the edit of the actual mm-hmm. show, do you think that that matched up with the type of you know uh, strategy that you had going into that this kind of underdog edit, or what do you think your edit was? Yeah, I think that I have, I still have complicated feelings about the edit, even. Mm-hmm. Over a year later, Mm -hmm. I think that of what they showed of me, it was very positive. They showed me being smart. They showed me being socially aware. I was very reliable. Everything that they showed me saying on the show ended up being true on the show. I think they could have easily showed me looking stupid. They could have showed me struggling to open a coconut or something. (laughs) There's plenty of footage like that. So I'm grateful when it comes to that. I think that where there's challenges for the edit, and it's not just mine in particular, but with Survivor fans, the super fans have created the system called Edgic. So it's editing plus logic. Yes. And they score each episode based on the quality of somebody's edit. Mm-hmm. And then they make these patterns with what winners normally get. And then they use old patterns to predict who would become the winner. Yeah. What I notice systemically is the women tend to have different edits than the men. Mm-hmm. And also the women get less screen time than the male winners. And I feel like it matters because afterwards, often when fans kind of rank or talk about the winners, for whatever reason, the women are the ones who are ranked as less deserving. So I feel like, is there going to be a correlation between how often we see somebody on screen and whether or not we think that they're deserving? Mm -hmm. And then when you go a step further, after I won, and here, I will... I will always say, no matter what anyone has said to me, I have never doubted that I deserve to win that game. I have never once changed my mind about that. But after I won, every day for months, I had people tagging me in comments, writing me comments, sending me DMs saying that I didn't deserve to win, telling me all of this garbage. And I wonder, okay, if I had just had an extra minute or two of screen time, could I have could that have prevent, prevented me from getting at least a few of these messages? For and sure. I think about other women and other people of color who have won. Could they have been subject to less hate had they had just a bit more visibility? Yeah. So it's quite, it's it's complicated. And, and I accept what has been shown of me. And I, you know, have moved on from that. The people mm-hmm. have stopped DMing me. And if you do DM me, like, have you had uh, you know res- uh, what's the response been on the other side of that because i imagine you know there are probably a lot of people that also see themselves reflected in you mm-hmm. as someone who did end up winning yeah it's been the best part truly because mm-hmm. i had so many people who reached out to me i got so many crying selfie videos or I got tagged in so many crying TikToks from people who had never seen someone who was like them for in whatever way win on TV. Yeah. And one of the best things and a message that I always reference, it was months after the show, I think it was this summer, a woman reached out to me. She said she was also Filipino. She had this career. She wasn't happy with it. And she always wanted to be a writer. And she reached out to me because she quit her job after seeing me on the show and she wanted to send me links to articles she has since gotten published and she wanted to thank me for showing her that someone like her could have their dream come true. Oh my god. Uh, Wait, like, I, just got, my, I just got chills saying listening. That's, 
That's so nice. And have so many, so many stories like that. I've had moms come up to me on the street saying, oh, my daughter is a teenager and she's a big fan of you. And I'm like, thank you. And then the mom's crying. She's like, you don't understand. My daughter has been bullied a lot. And through seeing someone like you on TV, when she feels more confident, I'm like, this is crazy. Oh, that's huge. So I, I will always be grateful for that. And I think that, you know, screw the haters. Yeah, I think if you can have a real impact on someone, that's what's most important. Well, and also the haters are going off of an hour, of, which not even an hour, 42 mm-hmm. minutes of television every single week with commercials. And it's, you're there for how many days? 20, 26. 26. So like there's, they're never going to get the full picture. The, the moment that like, it's because I watched your season mm-hmm. was everyone kept the thing that actually frustrated me because like I'll always I'll always refer Canadian gal always so like <laughs> right from the beginning the thing that kept frustrating me was every confessional other people had was saying Erica's such a threat Erica's such a threat and I remember like yelling at my tv I'm like then show us like show <laughs> us like, yeah. like if everyone's talking about you at that level and you and I mean in your like final tribal everyone said we wanted to play the game you played mm-hmm. and I think it's just disappointing that you didn't, they didn't get to show more of that, but yeah. hopefully, and I think you being very open and honest about how you feel about it, hopefully, like, maybe producers, I mean, I'm a producer, you think more critically about it in the future and how that's going to work. Okay, so you recently also launched your own podcast, the first episode kind of documenting the behind-the-scenes edit and a lot of other stuff that we've kind of talked about now, so everyone go and listen to that after this. But I think that one of the taglines that you have, I think is so interesting, which is, you know, you describe it as celebrating the people behind the personas, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what we just talked about here. You know, the edit that someone appears as in, you know, a reality TV show, it can also cross over into, you know, being a social media creator and Mm -hmm. kind of how you curate your own life. Um, So what does that mean to you? What does it mean to celebrate the people behind the personas? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I was had a big example of being on reality TV and having been edited. But I feel like now we have access to so many people through social media. Also, somehow I know so many people who have been on a reality show now. <laughs> Yet I feel like we only see a, a part of somebody or, yeah. or one side of somebody. And I feel like with so many people that I have on the podcast, they've reached a level of success and they've achieved something, but we haven't really seen everything that goes on behind it. And a lot of the people I interview, they represent some type of underserved community. So I I love learning about almost like that journey they had as the underdog and how they were able to really make it to having this amazing platform and having that achievement. And, And I think that through hearing those stories, one, I think it develops more empathy. And two, it helps people to feel like they are capable. Like my goal is whenever I have an episode, I hope at least one person listens to it and thinks, oh, yes, that's just like me. And oh, yes, I can do that too. Yeah, because I mean, I it's, it was Deshaun was on the second mm-hmm. episode, right? And nothing against Deshaun, but when <laughs> I was watching the season, I wasn't rooting for Deshaun. Mm-hmm, same. But, I don't blame you. <laughs> Sorry, Deshaun. But, you know, like you said, it's kind of a one-dimensional portrayal of a person in a reality TV show or being a social media creator and whatnot. That's their persona. You know, you're edited in a certain way where someone like myself watching it doesn't necessarily want to root for your you. But like you just said, you know, diving into that a little deeper does build mm-hmm. empathy, which I appreciate as maybe some, you know, it's bad, but like I can be quick to judge sometimes, which is not a good trait. And I think we should probably all probably strive <laughs> for not doing that. But your podcast also does a really good job of that, of, of being a lot more in depth, right? So who do you have on, who have you had on apart from Deshaun, like I mentioned, and who kind of guest wise would you love to have on? 
Yeah, I've had Deshaun on. And then I also had my friend Ann Pornell, who is the co-host of The Great Canadian Baking Show. And she's awesome. She's Filipino. She's also somebody who represents body diversity. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, I get to host the show. And now I'm the pretty girl. Like anybody of any size can be the pretty girl. So she's been amazing. I just had Miss Mosu, who is a queen from from Toronto. She was just on the past season of Canada's Drag Race. And she's known as this businesswoman queen who has this historic, iconic drag brunch in the West End. It's currently at the Drake Hotel. But she is actually an introvert out of drag. So then once she got to that set and she had the lights and the cameras on her, she froze up and she was disappointed because the Miss Mosu that people normally saw, Mm -hmm. she wasn't able to deliver it. So we were able to talk about being an introvert and how sometimes people think of it as a weak or a bad thing, Mm -mm. but how she was able to really, one, learn from that experience on Drag Race, but then use that empathy and that kindness she had to build this safe queer community in Toronto. I have other people coming up, so I have some social media folks. Mm -hmm. I may or may not have my best friend from Survivor, Heather, coming up. Big Heather fans. (laughs) I'd love the Heather Heather fan. (laughs) (laughs) She's the best. She's truly the best. Yeah. Yeah. I must have, I just want to say, I I really appreciate that I don't think the world needs another reality television show dissecting podcast. Thank you. And so when I saw like when when I saw the title and like the concept, I thought it was so unique. Like you're you're not just doing it out of like a place of vanity of like people because like let's be honest, it happens a lot with reality TV mm-hmm. like people. And I love this not just like dissecting like just survivor like whatever. Like you're giving others the opportunity that maybe you didn't necessarily have mm-hmm. to go on to something and show who they actually are, which I really like. I really appreciate. I think that's really cool. Thank you. Would you do it again, by the way? Would you go, would you compete again? No. Oh. And it's not because I hate this, the franchise yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I did it. I won. I, I got so much out of it. it what do I need? Why do I need to go back? That's the biggest mic drop yeah. ever. She already yeah. won. It's like, what? Yeah, don't, you've got like the, you can only like perfect ending. Don't <laughs> I appreciate it. She yeah. just need to go like sleep on sand again for yeah. 27 days to prove anything to the coconut to tree. You gotta <laughs> have had enough of the coconut tree. Oh um, so you're really good at it though. But you know, I just said I'm quick to judge sometimes. Yes. But like when it comes to the authentic self, that's probably like what people try to strive mm-hmm. for, and it's hard to do. You probably have, Sarah, a good perspective on this as well. How do you strive to be your most authentic self, especially when you're sharing, choosing what to share with other people, whether it be like online or, you know, even in person? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording. I have mm-hmm. a weird relationship with the idea of me being an influencer. Mm-hmm, and I think, that I, I think that I was a bad influencer, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So why do you think you were a bad one? Well, when I, when I come off the show, it's a bit different than other people who have a following online because most people, they spend the time to figure out what's the content that they want to create mm-hmm. and they build this following for the content they have. Yeah. Me, before I was on Survivor, I didn't have TikTok. I had a Twitter <laughs> account that I hadn't used in about six years and then I had <laughs> 400 followers on a private Instagram account. Mm. So the show starts. I have a lot of fun on social media. I loved making TikToks during the show and then the show ends and all of a sudden... I I don't know, I have different types of representation. You feel this pressure to make the most of your quote-unquote 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, I felt this pressure to turn this audience that I all of a sudden got from the show into money and transactions. And then the the advice that I would get would be about having a niche and then doing what you need to do to make – 
brands, see how products could appear in your mm-hmm. content. And then I found that I wasn't having as much fun anymore because I'd be sent examples of TikToks other people made and just make make it again, but your version or do this or that. And I felt like I was trying to be in a box in order to get that quick transaction versus sure. just being myself and building the community. So I eventually said, okay, pause on all of this social media <laughs> stuff. Again, bad quote unquote influencer. I haven't posted on TikTok in a while, but I promise I will be back. But I think that <laughs> I had to just go back to accepting who I am and accepting what's important to me. And for better or for worse, I'm the type Instead of getting the low-hanging fruit, I will always pick planting my own tree to 100%. harvest later. Well, it's an I can imagine it's also like a weird like identity crisis mm-hmm. once you come off as well. Even if you're so assured of yourself and everything, as you mentioned before, you go on, you don't get to choose how you're represented. Mm-hmm. And then people follow you and it's a version of you that they've seen, but it's like, oh, like that's not necessarily all of me. And as you said, you haven't garnered that community because of it. But community and longevity over the quick hits always, every time. So you mentioned, and you said it so beautifully, but planting the seeds. Mm-hmm. So the podcast, I imagine, is one of them. Mm-hmm. What other seeds are you planting right now? Ooh, I have a few. So I also am a public speaker. And that's something I always love doing. But then mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I'd have jobs where I'd be the person who writes the speech, coaches someone on how to deliver it. I stand at the side of the stage with the clipboard and I'm like, good job. But then I was never the one who got to be on stage speaking. So it's really fun being able to do that for myself now. And I get to be really... And I, the other thing with me is I say no a lot and I think people don't like it. I, I will not do something that I do not want to do and that I think will have no benefit or I won't enjoy. So I say mm-hmm. no to a lot of things, but I say yes to things that really excite me. So I get to say yes to not-for-profits I want to work with. I say yes to certain corporate events. So speaking has been a lot of fun. Of course, more TV. So I I do have an agent who is amazing who, who sees me for who I am. So mm-hmm. working towards more TV hosting, I recently started – auditioning to act which Ooh, I have never done before so nice. never was even in a high school play but here I am auditioning to be the barista that. in a scripted hey, show Let's see what happens. Yes. I love mm-hmm. that oh my god yes I love that and then I'm also writing so I have I mean I have some other projects that are close to my chest but I've always loved writing I've always loved storytelling so I have a few other things coming but really I I've always been fascinated by media and how people are represented mm-hmm. I've always loved storytelling and it's so nice to have some type of platform now where I can can get the stories that I think are important and the stories that I don't think are told enough and and give them some spotlight do you think this is like a path you would have found yourself on into saying yes to more of the things that excite you and no to more of the things that maybe don't excite you if you hadn't have like taken the risk to like go on rally television? Oh, 100%. I think that I was very much safely living as the comms person who was mm-hmm. consulting the people in charge. And I think I could have had a, a good, easy career with a lot more stability than mm-hmm. what I'm doing now for sure. But I, I always tell myself – what are the chances that I become the first person living in Canada to be cast on Survivor and then mm-hmm. to win it all in my first try tr- auditioning? So if I can do that, then why can't I do all I of the other things? The mentality of like everything mm-hmm. else has like worked out, so why not this too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the best mentality to have. I love that. It's huge. <laughs>
Welcome back to our voicemail segment where we take your questions. We try to give life advice, answer questions, um, you know, give our unsolicited advice. I guess it's not that unsolicited if they message it. It's been it. solicited It's today. been solicited. So whether it came from Instagram or email, actually all these came from our emails. You can email us at talkingfastshow at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram, talkingfastshow. We got email questions today. I was just saying, email Ooh. seems old school I know. for like a... I know. It's analog. Yeah. Exactly. Like someone <laughs> had to like type it in and think and not just like reply okay. to an Instagram story. This makes me excited for these questions then. I know. And I actually think they're all very good questions. So the first one is from Kendall. And so this is for the group, obviously. I'm thinking of going on a trip to Toronto. What are some places or things you recommend doing or seeing? I am so bad at giving recommendations. Because one time I made a TikTok video giving recommendations and then I just got like shot on for being like. Do you think there's any touristy stuff here. in the city that's worth doing? CN Tower? Is it worth it? Is Toronto Island touristy? I think Toronto Island's worth doing. I think so, but I think it also depends on where they're from because in Toronto, it's great, but if you're somewhere with if, actual beach, yeah, then it's you're from bad, Miami, don't, no, don't go, go to the don't island. Go. That's true. Um, I had friends visiting back in August from New Zealand, oh, yeah. and I, they're like, we want, we're spending one day in Toronto, and we want to do the touristy stuff, and I was like, wrapping my head around what to do, I was like, oh my God, what do we do? We want the CN Tower. Mm-hmm. Biggest scam in the city is the CN Tower. It's like yeah. $1,000. It's like $40 a person. I thought it was like 12 it was $40 yeah. a person. We go up, you walk around once, and then you, so don't go to the CN Tower or the top of it. Mm-hmm. You it know what? Really some what some do. productions, like shows, live shows are good. Yeah. I would say see some theater maybe. Mm-hmm. But then also like good. not if you're from New York though. Don't see theater. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> okay, then you know what? If you're from a smaller <laughs> town, get I'm gonna ready. Sh- I'm yeah, going exactly. to so shout out a neighborhood. I live in the East End. I'm going to shout out Gerard Street East. A lot of people sleep on Gerard Street. Interesting. I was going to say St. Lawrence Market food. is a good vibe. Like that area is a general good vibe. It is Old Town, 100%. St. Lawrence Great Market. architecture. Nice. Go get some bagels. Yeah. So when Heather was here, she said, okay, just take me to what you do and where you hang out. So don't stalk me, but this is where I took her. <laughs> so the first night she came, I took her to see Miss Mosu. Now Miss Mosu is at the Drake Hotel. So if you're into drag, Saturday mornings, you should get a ticket to her drag brunch. It's the best. Okay. Oh my God, I have to go. I have to go too. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. You will love it. What else did I take? Oh, I took Heather to Trillium Park. So that's where you get the best view of the Toronto skyline. And it's newish. It's nice. Even if you're from a better city, it seems nice That's Ontario Place, right? Is Trillium Park? Ish, yes. Like the one right on the edge. Adjacent. Okay, that's a good... That's a good... Oh, that's good. Good tip for there. I haven't done it yet, but a friend did it last summer. You You can can rent rent fire pits. Yeah. So you can do full... That's a really good idea. Do like full Toronto... So, oh, I love picking restaurants. So I've took, taken her to a few places. I've taken her to Mildred's Temple Kitchen oh, in so Liberty. Good. Blueberry pancakes. The blueberry pancakes. Turns out our server is a big Survivor fan. So shout out Scott. He told me I don't have to wait in line ever <laughs> again. So thank you, Scott. Whoa, Whoa Mildred's line could be like plug. two and a half hours. That's a huge hookup. Oh my God, you're the What plug. can I say? You can't even stalk me because I won't even be in the line. <laughs> <laughs> I also that is a flex, to- first of all. So my favorite restaurant in Toronto is Dilo on College Street. It's like this Asian fusion. It's amazing. It's It's on my list. I haven't been. You have to go. It's the best. Okay. I also took her to, um, what's that place? Bar Mordecai. <gasps> yeah, I love good time. Bar Mordecai. So and karaoke downstairs. Yes, yes karaoke, the karaoke yes. is amazing. I love Bar Mordecai. Whenever okay, you go, you can just list. ask them to make you a cocktail and they'll make you whatever you want. It's the best. So wait, did you go? Did you take Heather to, was Bar Mordecai around for yeah. karaoke? Yeah. Well, did you do karaoke? We didn't do karaoke. Okay. 
which we we tried to do the karaoke at the Gladstone, so they had the live rock band. Yes, yes, yes. Good enough karaoke live, yeah, live karaoke. That's a staple. Okay, these are some good. These are some good ideas. But they also do it Thursday night at the Wheat Chief. You know the Wheat Chief, my favorite bar in the city. Oh, they do it Thursday nights too. With the um, chicken fingers, the best chicken fingers. Yeah. Wheat Chief, if you're watching, and I bet you are. Do you know how much Sarah needs a Sarah needs a sponsor. Sarah needs a sponsorship. Oh my god, I still pay cover to get in that place. It's insane. Do you know how much every I pinky promised the singer like I was there on Saturday. I always end up with the Wheat Chief, and it's always the same funk band that's playing, and they're so good. They're called Chicken and Waffles. They're so good. And the guy's like, "Well, hope to see you next week." He points at me, and I just go. Thank you, promise. That's a good Toronto. Just everyone follow what Erica took Heather to do. Yes, that's a really that's a good, good list. Toronto day. That's a that's good, a good list. list. A good mix of popular but not cheesy. Second question here for voicemail. Here we go. This one comes from Kyle on email. I see a lot of people afraid to start creating content because of perceived technical limitations, such as, you know, I need a good mic to start a podcast or an amazing camera editing uh, software to make videos. How can people navigate starting out in content creation without all of the potentially necessary technical knowledge? Do you want to start? Because you like weren't necessarily a content creator before going Mm -hmm. on the show and then you became one after. So did you feel that at all? Yes, 100%. And even having to do ads of my lifestyle in my apartment, whenever I have to shoot something in my kitchen, I take... 90% 90% of the stuff out of the kitchen. That's not what my kitchen normally looks like. And with the podcast I started, it is very much me in my living room with a microphone I got on Amazon, a yeah. camera I bought at Best Buy using this online tool. I think I use Riverside to record mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I just sit there and I do it and I tell myself, okay, if I like the conversations and I like the conversation, the if I like the content that I'm making enough, then I'm just going to do it because I love contributing this to the world. And then eventually I can scale up and I Mm -hmm. can make the production even better. I interviewed, so spoiler, I interviewed a friend, Julie Nolke. So she is a YouTuber. She went viral during the pandemic with her YouTube series explaining the pandemic to my past self. And an amazing piece of advice that she gave me and that she got herself was, if you want to get into content creation or any platform, you have to just be so passionate about what you're doing and love what you're doing because there's going to be times where nobody watches your thing or there's going to be times where you feel like you don't stack up compared to everybody else who's already out there. So I think that honestly, even if you're just going to record your podcast on your phone, Mm -hmm. if you love what you're talking about, do it. And then eventually you can scale up and it'll be better. Well, that's like even Steven Spielberg on Smartlist was talking about how like when people are like, I want to make a movie, he goes, well, you have a phone. Like if you're passionate enough about it, you can just like make, it's that same idea that if you're passionate about it, it doesn't matter the technical limitations. You should just like make it. And you're right. Like that's the right mentality to have. Like if I make it now and I just like focus on like the, I don't know, the foundation, I guess, because storytelling is storytelling, no matter if it's on like I was going to say, if you have a good story to tell, that's going to be communicated. And obviously a lot of the technical stuff I think will be forgiven if you are telling an interesting story. Unless one of our mics is off during this, then I don't know if that'll be (laughs) forgiven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Izzy finds out that she wasn't recording one. No, that's perfect. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, just like, and also consistency is really important too. So just like, the more you do something, the more like you're going to get confident in it. And I just like to ignore that people are watching. So. And I would mm-hmm. say like kind of to your, well, we all kind of talked about this, but it's probably not a good idea to make a massive investment if you aren't passionate yeah. about it, right? Because yes. you can get pretty deep in a hole of like 10 grand yeah. and realize it's not for you. Yeah, and you're like, oops, what do I do now? Okay, so our last question is advice for career. I'm in marketing and I love social media and analytics, but having a hard time picking just one area to focus on, what's your take on focusing on more? More than one area. 
you were talking to the queen of having nine million jobs and I've never focused on one area. Um, I don't know if necessarily like focusing in one area these days is a, is thing. a good no. idea. No, we're not assembly line workers anymore. Yeah. Right no, it's the robots are taking those jobs away. Now people can like choose their own adventure and like do like, I mean, I work in sports as my day job because I love the Olympics. And then I make videos about what I eat for breakfast after because that's fun. And then decide to talk into a microphone sometimes. Like, I just don't think you have to only pick to do one thing. Also, like you're not in the days anymore where your career is like the same job for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least most people aren't. If that's like what someone wants to do, I think now more than ever, you have flexibility to be able to take transferable skills. Also, marketing into like social media specifically would have a lot of transferable skills. But I say just like do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Like make life a buffet. Make work a little bit of everything. And remember that like your career isn't your identity, Mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't have to be, you have to choose one thing and all of a sudden make your whole life about like you said, dedicating it mm-hmm. to the next 20, 30 years of, of how you're going to work. You know, yeah, I, find you. People, I find like, and maybe this is just me, but like who I find most interesting are the people who dabble in a ton of different areas, mm-hmm. have a ton of different hobbies, their work, you know, life may weave in and out of, of different areas. I don't know. How about you? You're doing a million different things. How do you feel about it? Yes. And I used to work in marketing, PR, corporate communications. That was what I did for the first 10 years. And then I got the skills from doing all of that Mm -hmm. to now do a bunch of things. And now I'm doing a million things. I think that one, if you are going to work in marketing or social media, the reality is you're going to be pulled in many different directions and you're going to have to do lots of things anyway. You're going to have to wear a lot of different hats in this role. And I think that it's good to experiment. I think what's good is, as you said, we're not tied to the same job forever. So you can work somewhere for two years, go to another industry. Mm-hmm. My first few years of working, I worked at a PR agency. So I got to taste a few different clients from a few different industries and figure out what I like the best. So honestly, don't feel the pressure to focus. Try a bit of everything and you can change your mind and you probably will. Yeah. And like you said, which I think was just a great point, is that that you're going to learn skills mm-hmm. if you're in something for a year, two years, that will be transferable, mm-hmm. which is great. So, Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I was very excited when you said you say no to things that you don't <laughs> want to do. And then you said yes to this. I'm going to hold on to that. I do have a gift for you. <gasps> Stop. So it's not, this is Izzy. So Izzy had the oh great idea. Oh my gosh, idea. I see it. So she had the great idea to always give people like a gift to thank them for the, coming on the podcast. And one thing we do is like we're big on self-care here. I'm a big self-care Sunday gal. So in this thing is all self-care related things. And I did creep your Instagram and I know you're a BTS fan. Oh my gosh. I just see it poking out. Should I open it now? Yeah, yeah, you can open it now. Oh my gosh. This this is my self-care. This is I it. Lo- this so, is all I need. So then there's a bath bomb in there. You can like have oh a gosh. bath if you have one. Most Toronto condos don't. So like I kind of had to assume. But like you can read. Yep. And it's purple. It's not your hair. Thank and you. And then read about BTS. And there's just some. Oh, and then the Fisherman's Friends are because you now host a podcast. Yes. So like I don't want your throat to like get sore. Thank you. This is so thoughtful. Oh, oh, and there's what's this? Oh wait, oh, and the hydrating mask. Yes, Thank you. The face mask. Oh, and the card. This is so sweet. Thank you. Thank so you much. so much for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. This is your chance to shamelessly self-promote. That is your camera, and you can just say whatever you want. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. My name's Erica Kasupinen, one survivor a while ago, but now I'm podcasting. So you can follow my podcast on Instagram. It's at happy to see me pod and you can find it on all the podcast platforms. You can find it on YouTube. If you want to follow a bad influencer, I'm at Erica <laughs> underscore Cass on Instagram and I'm my full name on TikTok at Erica Kasupinen. And I promise I'm going to start posting soon. I have some things coming up. I will sh- share my life again once I get back into the groove of it. And I think that 
being on this podcast has helped me to put less pressure on myself when it comes to social media. Now I'm just ready to get back in there. So content will will be there if you follow me. (laughs) I fangirled a little bit when you replied back to my TikTok comment. Like this was like a year ago when you were just like, oh, the Toronto vlogger like commenting on my TikTok. I was like, oh my God, wait, the winner of Survivor knows who I am. Anyway, that was just (laughs) a little side thing. It was forever ago. In one of my speeches, I have this collage of nice tweets and nice comments from people. So then I put put this thing together and then someone was like, oh yeah, you have like Sarah Jenkins, the vlog girl on here. And then (laughs) Ah. you had tweeted something saying, oh, I never thought I could win Survivor and then now I feel like I can so yeah you you wow. are in my Amazing. speech I still don't think I could because you were playing chess and everyone else was playing checkers I will say that forever you were like way into it. I would just show up and be like so where do I put my contacts <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of talking fast or watching it as we always say rate review five stars nice comments only mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.